0: You're listening to The Overcast, Sunshine on a Cloudy Day, part of the Oversoul Gaming Channel. Hello there everyone and welcome to The Overcast, the entertainment podcast focused on fun. I am your host Justin aka Oversoul and I'm bringing you Sunshine on a Cloudy Day. That's right, it's just me today, it's just me this time, just me in this episode. Uh, My co-host will not be joining us today as he has a busy, busy life at the moment and a bunch of things going on, and sometimes it just be like that. Um, You know, he needed a little break, he needed to give his brain a little rest, a little time away. So, anyways, um, I will be... I will be doing a over solo episode, as it were. <laughs> so, um, real quick life updates. In the previous episode, I made it sound all doom and gloom. But if you've been, if you've watched my latest update video on YouTube, and look, I know that. Not everyone who listens to the podcast watches the videos, and not everyone who watches the videos listens to the podcast. But there is some crossover. There is some overlap, and for that reason, I must address both audiences at once sometimes. So bear with me if you're only on one side of things or the other, uh, because sometimes there are things that apply to both. But anyways... um so if you watched my latest update video on YouTube you already know this but if not if you're only lis- if you're only a podcast listener then in the last episode you heard that things weren't going so good for me uh, a little doomy and gloomy in terms of the apartment hunt and all that and time was running short but I am happy to say that um as of like a week or so ago things have been much, much better. Um, actually, I think it's been exactly... It'll be exactly a week tomorrow at the time of recording this. Right now, it's Wednesday the 12th. And um, at the time of recording this, tomorrow will be Thursday the 13th, and that is uh, exactly a week from when I got my current apartment and started and moved into it, basically. <laughs> um, I actually signed the lease a week ago I would say. Or no, maybe it was that morning. Yeah, it was that morning. It was the same day I moved in, actually. So, August 31st. Which was the same day I had to move out of the last place, so the timing could not have been better. Literally, with with, on the last possible day, I got the phone call. They're like, hey, you got the place. And I'm like, Final Fantasy Victory Fanfare Music! You know? Um, it was happy. It was happy times. So I um I'm glad about that. Obviously, you know, not having to worry about staying in a hotel or, or worse. Um I got an apartment. It's in a complex. It's in an apartment complex. Um, but it's not it's not super crowded or nothing. It's actually a very open, kinda cool building. There's some businesses down below. It's a secured building, there's security cameras, so I don't really gotta worry about shit. Um on-site washing washer and dryer, which I do have to pay for. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Some sacrifices had to be made. I do have less room in this apartment, so had to rent out a storage shed. But again, kind of all worth it in the end. Um, You know, uh, so it's cozy. It's an open floor plan, so you come in and it's the living room, and then there's a kitchen to the side and all that fun stuff. Um, You know, two bedrooms, bathroom, yada, yada it's a very cat-friendly apartment, so having the cats around, uh, you know, there's pretty much everyone who lives here owns a cat, I think, um, and sometimes the, the landlord lives on site, and her cat sometimes kind of just roams the halls, you know, so, um, so that's interesting. (laughs) I had a funny thought, like, um, like, the landlord lives on site, but and she lets her cat roam the halls, right? I had a funny thought that, like, if it was, like, a cartoon or something, like, the landlord would be, like, an evil villain, and the cat would be, like, little henchman, and the cat's roaming the halls because it's actually spying on people and reporting back to its master. <laughs> uh, but no, not like that. Unlike the, my previous landlord and um, the one that I was going to rent from before things went wrong... This landlord here at this apartment complex is actually really nice. <clears throat> Very nice lady. Guess what? No pet deposit, which was a positive. The rent is like six seventy-five a month, which is about a two hundred dollar jump from what I was paying at the old place for, you know, less space and all that. But like at the time I rented that last place it was like before covid and i got super super lucky you know now things have changed i guarantee you after my old landlord renovate like you know fixes up the place i was in and gets it all up to th- he's either going to like cut his losses and let it get condemned or he's going to renovate it and then like charge way more than it's worth <laughs> you know uh but it is what it is you know not my problem anymore not my pig not my farm as they say so I am out of that mess, and I'm putting it all behind me. And since work is back to the school year, and I'm doing a run that I like, and everything is normal, and all that, and, I mean, it's still, there's still, like, yesterday at work, there was, like, a volleyball game that I had to clean up after, and, God, the gym was an absolute disaster after that volleyball game. And then there was, um... There was, like, the swim meet where we're having, like, a pasta dinner in the middle of the hallway. Yeah, the swim team, they just put, like, tables and chairs out in the middle of the hallway. And they were like, yeah, we're going to just have a pasta dinner here. So, yeah, there was some mess to clean. But, like, I still don't mind it because I'm still going into work at, like, 2 p.m., you know, instead of 5 in the morning. Uh, You know, I'm a night person, so that's better for me. And although I'm working five days a week, it's eight hours a day instead of ten. So going going in at five in the morning, working ten hours, and doing mostly physical labor shit, where you're moving desks around, waxing floors and stuff, in the middle of the summer when the heat is at its peak, is an absolute nightmare. That's the only part of this job I hate. But the rest of it, it's fine. The rest of it's good. It appeals to me in the, during the school year. You know, I'm by myself most of the night. I am, um, doing a task that is routine but not repetitive, if that makes any sense. You know, because things can be a little different every night. Sometimes I'll go into one of the music classrooms and I'll have to change the garbage, and other times I can just dump what's in the can into my can and not have to worry about it. Depends on what's in there. It's a, It's a surprise every time! <laughs> like a mystery grab bag! Let's play a game of what's in the garbage tonight! <laughs> oh, no, but seriously. Um... Wow, <laughs> that sounds terrible. That makes it sound like I'm just, like, digging through there to find good shit and keep it. It's funny, though, because, like, and, and I don't actually do that. That's disgusting. I hope no one does that. But, um, well, I do know some people, like, dumpster dive behind GameStop and shit, and they have found, like, really good things. That's understandable, uh, even though it's illegal. Don't do that. I'm not, condo- I'm not condoning it. I'm not... I'm not not condoning it either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh... But, no, seriously, though, um, but I will say that sometimes kids lose or leave behind the craziest shit. Like, I I know that, like, it's their middle schoolers and they don't have a huge concept of finances and value. But, like, if I was their parents, I would be pissed at some of the shit that they leave behind. You know, we're talking, like, I'm I'm not just, like... Yeah, sometimes they'll leave, like, full, unopened bottles of water just sitting around, you know. Um, And those you can, like, just stick in a fridge somewhere or something and preserve. But then sometimes they'll have, like, actual, like, you know, their own personal water bottles that they left laying around uh, that, you know, you got to put up on a shelf somewhere and hope someone takes it. And then weeks will go by and no one will claim it. Even though it's the same classes in there every day. And eventually you just gotta throw it away. It's such a waste, unfortunately. Um, Sometimes clothing, too. Like, I just find random hoodies and shoes and shit just strewn about on, like, the stairs and in the gym and stuff like that. And, you know, it's insane. So these kids are not responsible with their stuff (laughs) at all uh, entire Chromebooks, too, which they don't care about because the school's the one that lends those out to them, and, you know, they're not actually there, so why do they care about, you know, whether or not they, you know, take care of it or not? (laughs) Anyways, though, I digress. Um, it's not, yeah, I'm not cleaning full-on classrooms anymore. Uh, I was last year, but this year I'm doing mostly, like I said before, the gym and the, Locker rooms and the pool area and big classrooms like the band rooms. So uh, I don't have to worry as much about the whole like wiping off all the desks and all the tedious like candy wrappers and shit laying everywhere. You know, the gym is sometimes a mess, but last night there was a volleyball game in there, like I said. So of course it was a mess because they were selling concessions and the public came to watch. So, like, you know, when I went to go clean it. It was just, like, half-drank bottles of Pepsi and, like, chip wrappers and, uh, stuff like that laying around. Found a couple of armbands and shit. So, yep, all going straight to the trash. (laughs) Nothing can be done about it. So, uh, I will say, I like running the floor scrubber at night, though. That thing's kind of fun to push around, not gonna lie. But, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Um... So the job is fine, the new apartment is fine, uh, everything's good, everything's back to normal. I've just been kind of, after all the excitement and the stress of the last couple of months, I've been trying to take some time to just slow down, and take it easy, and take it slow. Yes, but the other part of that is that um, I'm back to normal on YouTube, back to a normal schedule, uh, at the moment, you know, at the time of recording this, there was a new episode of Danganronpa released earlier this week. Uh, I think I might have put something out last week as well, and uh, or I worked on it or something. You know, I got my mojo back. I got my motivation back. I care again. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully that all turns out well and good. But uh, yes. That's pretty much all I had for the life updates. Um, not really a whole lot to say, you know, except that the apartment complex I live in is very close to the movie theater, so expect expect some of that. Oh, <laughs> silly me. You know, I, the whole, I, I mentioned, you know what, there is more. There is more to the life updates. There is actually a big more. Do not let me forget. I know um, even though he's not on this episode, Nick is listening to this episode, and he would be mad if I didn't mention this. He came over this past weekend to hang out for a bit um, as part of his R&R. And we could have recorded an episode together while he was here. We could have done something. But, like, here's the thing, right? He also brought the, the girl that he told us about, Sarah, that he met at Six Flags. He mentioned a few episodes ago in his life updates um, that he, he brought her with him or read, she brought him here, is more accurate. Um, but, yeah, she came out from Iowa to visit him, and uh, they came out here to hang out with uh, hang out with me for a while. We went out to this place out here called Union Dairy for lunch. Um, good food, it's like a little diner place, good food. They're well-known for their ice cream, though. They got all the ice cream, you know? And, like, it's one of those places where, like, if you get a single scoop, a single scoop is really, like, fucking three scoops, you know what I mean, or like, you know, it's a single scoop, but it's a scoop the size of a bear's claw, you know, they just slather that shit on there, flump, flump, you know, Uh, so we all got triple scoops, (laughs) and if you get a triple scoop, you can get three different flavors in that, right, so it doesn't have to be three scoops of the same thing, you can do one of one, one of another, and one of another, so I did this combination that was um, cotton candy and bubblegum flavors which went really well together, but also, um, there's this flavor called Play-Doh, which is Blue Moon, um, and if you don't know what Blue Moon is, that's a popular ice cream flavor out where I live, um, that's got kind of like a, it's really hard to explain, it's got almost a cotton candy type flavor to it, but not quite, it says it's almond, from what I understand, it's an almond flavor, but it doesn't taste like almonds to me, Unless you're talking, like, the blue diamond almonds that are covered in the blueberry covering shit. In that case, yeah, it's kind of like that. But no, Blue Moon Ice Cream is, like, uh, it's blue, <laughs> hence the name. And yeah, it's got definitely, like, a sweeter, like, I guess you could say almondy, um, but also kind of, like, blue raspberry-ish and cotton candy-ish flavor to it. But anyways, there's a, you can get Blue Moon by itself, but there's also a flavor called Play-Doh that is Blue Moon with chunks of cookie dough in it, so we got that mixed, and that was a hell of a, that was a hell of a flavor. Anyways, oh, and they made, I had a great uh, cheddar, cheddar bacon ranch chicken sandwich. I got the chicken on it fried, too, instead of grilled. Oh, that was so good. It had lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise and bacon and oh it was like a BLT with a piece of fried chicken in it <laughs> basically um and melted cheese. Oh and ranch. It was so good. Um but yeah so we did that and then we walked around town for a bit and I still cause you know this there's, there's some historical stuff down here. The town I live in is where the um Lincoln Douglas presidential debate took place uh way back when. And so there's like a whole spot dedicated to that with a bunch of history stuff and all that. And, you know, this is one of those towns where the downtown area is a bunch of little shops snuggled in together in these big, you know, brick building plazas on every corner. So that kind of ordeal. And uh, we came back and we watched Strays, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit in the media corner. We'll get to that uh, later. But we did. We watched that. And then we played some Super uh, Mario Party Superstars, the the newest one for the Switch that made my... Did it make my top ten games that year? I think it might have, maybe. I think maybe. I don't know, I can't remember. Um, But anyways, yeah, we played some of that, and that was cool. And if I remember correctly, Sarah won, so yeah, congrats on that. That was, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tight round, though. There was a lot of back and forth, like, so, like, like, I, I went from first to fourth by the end of it, and I think she went from, like, fourth to first. It was a, a huge upset, you know? It, that's what they call it in sports, an upset. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. I know a sports term, kind of. Anyways. So, yeah. Now, that's the end of the life updates. On to the Media Corner. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Alright everyone, here we are at the Media Corner, the part of the show where we talk about the things that we've watched or played or listened to or read lately, and uh, do a little mini-review of them, and or discuss any media-related news that has come to mind as of late. And um, I have to start off with a bit of uh, pop culture news, a bit of sad news. Um, It's week old news at this point, but you know what? It is what it is with me. (laughs) Um, But Steve Harwell, uh, the founding lead singer of Smash Mouth, has passed away. He was struggling with various health issues. He was 56 years old. He passed away peacefully on September 4th. Uh, surrounded by family and friends at his home in Boise, Idaho. So, <clears throat> uh, that is unfortunate. Anytime I think of Smash Mouth, I automatically think of Shrek, uh, you know, just because they were there for the opening and the ending. Um, And it's just... Man, that... Around the time the first Shrek movie came out, that, um hey now all star song was like super super popular you know and i don't know if it was like they put it in the movie because it was popular or if the movie made it popular but damn that song that song took off on the charts around that time absolutely crazy i uh to this day i still enjoy the original shrek and not for stupid edgelord meme person uh meme purposes bleh but rather because it's actually a genuinely good movie, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, there's a bit of that, there's a bit of raunchy humor in there, you know, it's definitely adult, but like, from a story structure perspective, and, um, you know, from a comedy perspective and all that, it, it holds up, I think. In a lot of ways, it's it definitely does, you know. And it led to a lot of good sequels. Shrek Two is actually pretty good. It, they started going downhill after that. Um, but then some of the Puss in Boots movies are pretty good too, especially the last one. That last woof. But anyways, uh, I digress. This is unfortunate. We lost a legend. Well, it's I, I, people like to meme and make fun of Smash Mouth and all that. But look, like if you grew up in the '90s, it was just part of your childhood. You know. There was a lot of nostalgia surrounding it, and now it's gone. Now he's gone. You know, I mean, I'm sure they could get a new lead singer, but it wouldn't be the same. So, that is uh, that is sad news. <clears throat> and what with this being a entertainment podcast focused on fun, I don't want to dwell on the sad too much, so we'll do a little bit of a juxtaposition. Now I mentioned earlier... When um, Nick was here uh, this past weekend, and he brought his girlfriend, Sarah, with him, we watched Strays. Now, I asked Nick if he had anything to say about the movie that he'd like to share. Um, He did not, because he was admittedly falling asleep on and off a little bit while watching the movie not that he found it boring or that the movie it's not like a knock on the movie itself but more of a um he was just exhausted like i said there's a reason he's not on this episode the man is uh the man is going through a lot right now there's a whole lot going on and he's uh you know getting used to a new work schedule and all that you know his uh his body and mind hasn't caught up to everything that's happening in the world around him, and so he, he needed a little breather. So And I was okay with that. You know, I've been doing let's plays since twenty fifteen on YouTube. I uh I think I can handle a little podcasty by myself every now and then. <laughs> Granted I don't have a game to react to, but I do have things to say, so we're doing this. Anyways though, um he didn't have any thoughts himself. He's going to watch it again and then maybe talk about it later um, after he's given it, like, a fair fair shot. Um, but Sarah had something to say about it. She sent me a mini-review that I'm going to read real quick because it basically summarizes my thoughts as well. Um, I don't think I could say it a whole lot better than how she says it here. So... Uh, she said, animal lovers beware. This movie is incredibly difficult to watch at some points. I was crying by the end of the opening scenes. Um, interjection here. Yeah, she's not wrong. I, uh, a couple times while watching this movie was trying to hold back some tears. I was not expecting. That's the one thing I will say um, that I, I want to word in my own way is that for I knew from the trailers that this was going to be like a stupid, raunchy, borderline stoner comedy Um, you know, the trailer, I saw the trailers for it several times on, um, Hulu, and I knew it was going to be something like that, so I went into it expecting that. What I did not expect was this raunchy comedy about stray dogs to have so much heart and a message about animal abuse, and so that caught me off guard, and there were some genuinely sad parts. She's right about that. But anyways, going on to say... She goes on to say, uh, this does not negatively impact my opinion of the movie, just a heads up. The highlights, this movie has an extremely powerful message that every person should learn. Um, Interspersed with the darker moments are plenty of comical, light-hearted ones. As humans, we always wonder what is going on in our pets' minds. Sometimes it's like Secret Life of Pets, and other times it's like strays. Yeah, this movie is like Secret Life of Pets for adults. That's about the best way I can explain it. (laughs) The drawbacks, as it is not my particular style, the potty humor was a little gratuitous for my liking, but, as it is to be expected in a darker comedy movie with dogs as main characters, it did not completely turn me off from the other humor styles presented. yeah, um <clears throat> what I can add to that is that I found most of the humor in this movie when they did the good jokes, they did them really well, like there's one in particular i don't want to spoil. I will say that like. In the trailers, you can tell there's a part where they have a mushroom trip. Um, they eat mushrooms in the woods and have a drug trip, and they hallucinate a bit. But the one part of that that the trailer doesn't spoil might be the funniest part in the whole movie, even though the implications behind it are super dark and messed up. It's just the way... It's it's one of those like super dark humor kind of things, and it, like, it worked for me in a way that I was like, that's fucked up but hilarious. So like I, I will give it props, um, and there were some like cr- very creative jokes, you know, like um, like. But it's like it's like fa- it was like like in Family Guy, you know how Brian is Norton acts normal like a human and talks and walks, but every once in a while he'll become dog, you know, he'll do dog things, and they make jokes around that. A lot of the jokes in this movie were basically that. If I'm being honest, it was um, you know a lot of like. Family Guy style. <laughs> Aren't dogs funny? Because they go in circles before they lay down. Kind of jokes, you know. That's basically what it amounted to. Um, but there were some very very clever jokes that I don't want to spoil because they were actually really fu- the funnier the funny shit like the stuff that was genuinely funny. I didn't. I don't want to spoil. But I will say that the movie is very one note when it comes to the type of comedy that it's going. Like it basically repeats the same joke the whole movie. And there are a lot more F-bombs than there need to be. Like, I'm I'm not bothered by that kind of thing, really. But, like, it's, it's off-putting coming out of cute dog faces, which I get is the point. You know, it's like Seth Rogen's Sausage Party movie, which was a parody of Pixar movies. It's meant to look like a kid's movie but not be, you know, that kind of thing. Because this is definitely not for kids. It was never advertised as a movie for kids. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyways... Uh, and she concludes by saying, all in all, a solid movie choice, but definitely not child-friendly, yeah, in any capacity. A good deep think piece with plenty of comedic relief to make the heavy topics bearable. Yeah, now she gave it an 8 out of 10, which is very generous, because I'm giving it a 7 out of 10, um, which is only one number below. And look, look, before you jump down my throat, listen, there is, like I said before, on the rating scale... Five and below is bad. It's just how bad. Six and above is good. It's just how good. A seven is a C in, in like school grades. It's passing. It's a passing grade. All right? It's fine. It's okay. It's not bad. You know? Uh, there's another podcast I listen to where when they talk about movies, it's, it's called Sif Pop, and when they talk about movies, they rate them not on a number scale or a grading scale or anything, but they rate them on a scale of um, uh, loved it, liked it, just okay, didn't like it, or hated it. Um, and they both said for this movie, they were both on the high side of just okay, uh, the, two, the two cast members, and I have to agree with them. High side of okay. Um, maybe low side of liked it would be <laughs> another way they would word it. So yeah, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. That is, it's a pretty okay movie. I enjoyed the parts of it that were really good. But there were some parts of it that were kind of eye and yada yada. But damn, did it have heart. It had a lot of heart. And I was not expecting it to have so much heart for the kind of movie that it is. But I am saying if you're an animal lover, I I will agree with Sarah there. You have to um go into this one cautiously because there's a lot of stuff dealing with like animal abuse. Specifically surrounding dogs. Um and shitty owners. Will Forte is in this as one of the human characters and he plays a shitty owner. Um and man, it was so saddening to see. I like Will Forte. He's he's great in a lot of things he's in, but man, the characters he plays are real dicks sometimes. Um But anyways, yeah, uh but yeah, if you're an animal lover, You know, just a fair warning about this. You know, since it's a movie about strays, it's definitely dealing with some heavy elements at times. Um, And even though it's Will Ferrell's voice coming out of that little dog, he's still a scruffy, cute character. He's like, Will Ferrell is playing one of his innocent, stupid characters like an elf. You know, very childlike. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, that almost drives it more into, like, sad territory sometimes because of that performance. So, but, make no mistake, this isn't Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 levels of, uh, of, like, pet or animal abuse saddening stuff. This is definitely, um, I mean, that movie was a masterpiece, and this is far from, uh, but it is, it it has those moments. It definitely has those moments, so. Anyways, um... I've been playing Starfield uh, lately. Well, I started playing Starfield. I'm not very far into it. At least, not as far as the story is concerned. I have done a bunch of stuff on the side. Kind of gotten a feel for it. You know, like I I joined Constellation, and you know, I was I'm doing the things and the stuff. I, everyone says you got to join the Vanguard so you can go through the museum. Look, I'm doing that now. Okay, that's the next thing I'm going to do. Shut up already. Okay, I'm going to do it. That's what I'm doing. That's the next thing I'm doing. I wanted to explore a bit first. I, I It's one of those games, because it's a Bethesda game, right? So it's one of those games, much like Skyrim, where the opening pushes you through a prologue and sets you up on the narrative, but then after that, you're free to just fuck about and do whatever you want for the most part. You know, you can tackle all these missions strewn about the land in any order that you want, um, except instead of being limited to one, you know, continent in a fantasy realm, you are basically the entire space is what you have to explore it's like no man's sky but with bethesda gameplay except unlike no man's sky this game is more rpg-ish less crafty survival-ish thank god but um it is all about like going to different planets talking to people doing quests for them turning in them quests to get rewards and you know, using those rewards to go beat the shit out of space pirates to steal their shit. And basically, you're just working for a group of people that are trying to, like, explore space and, um, <clears throat> and, like, find uninhabited planets and, like, you know, find out if they're inhabitable and stuff. You're a space explorer. It's literally what you're doing, you know? Um, but there's also, like, this Mass Effect type element to it where you can, like, build a crew. And there's, like, um, the story kind of kicks off when you touch this ancient artifact and see a weird vision, kind of like the first Mass Effect. So it's very interesting, but the gameplay is basically what you'd expect from any Bethesda game. You can play it in first or third person. Um, you know, it's it's shooty-shooty like Fallout rather than stabby-stabby like Skyrim. But although you can do some stabby-stabby as well, you can do both. You can shooty and stabby in this game. <laughs> you, get, you get the best of both worlds. Bang-bang-stab-stab. Stab. So yeah, um it's it's been fun so far, but I'm not far enough into it to really kind of give like a definitive rating one way or the other. I need to see way more than I have so far. And I've seen a lot so far. I'm not going to lie. Like I've gone to a, I've dealt with space pirates a couple of times. I saved a guy who was held hostage. I saved some chicks liquor that was held hostage from a space station or something. I don't know, I've flown around. I will say this, unlike No Man's Sky, you're not actually manually flying from planet to planet in this one and manually landing and shit. You actually have to open your galaxy map and fast travel between locations, which to me is better. I like that, I prefer that, because that means the game respects my time. It's not forcing me to tra- sit there and travel for fucking 3, 4, 5 hours through the vast emptiness of nothing of space to get to some godforsaken nowhere planets on the other side of the universe, you know, I can just open the map and beep, bop, boop, be there in a couple loading screens. No problem. Um, This game is Xbox exclusive. I think it's on the PC as well. It's free on Game Pass. um, And it's... uh, so if you have Game Pass, it's definitely worth checking out. However, it depends on your hardware, sp- your hard drive space, because it's like 101 gigs in size, 109 gigs after updates. It's pretty, pretty chunky. It's a chunky boy. Um, I had to delete Atomic Heart in order to make room for it, which is a game that I also enjoy. It reminds me of Bioshock meets Wolfenstein, but I haven't gotten through it yet, and I'm like, well... One of these I'm going to have to cloud stream, and Bethesda games tend to be glitchier than shit sometimes, so I don't think I want to cloud stream this game. I don't want to cloud stream Starfield because, like, I could cloud stream Forza Horizon 5 just fine, you know, maybe the visuals were a little degraded, but otherwise it was fine but i feel like if i try to cloud stream a bethesda game i'm just asking for more bugs you know what i mean like i need this to be as stable as an experience as possible because bethesda's track record with um with bugs and glitches is not great you know um anyone remember the floating horses in skyrim so or the swimming the the horses that are half swimming in the ground <laughs> shit like that yep yep dragons where they shouldn't be and other nonsense so yeah so far though i actually haven't personally run into any significant bugs or glitches you know i thought maybe one of my missions got bugged at one point but nope i just needed to find a different way to get to where i was going you know a little bit of exploratating did the trick i i will say the game could use um a mini map when you're in like you know like outposts and shit when you're trying to find because sometimes there are doors you can't get through so you have to find another way around and like yeah the blue dot on the map is enough for at one point but unless you have a good sense of direction like me this shit's gonna confuse the hell out of you trying to figure out where to go and i have a good sense of direction and i get confused figuring out where to go i'm like damn None of these doors work. I'm going to have to go all the way back to the beginning and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a ramp I can use to go up or down to the next level back at the beginning of the area, but that's so much backtracking. Jesus. Anyways, though, yeah, it's easy to get lost in some of the side quests and stuff, but I haven't built an outpost yet or anything like that. I haven't modified my ship. I'm still kind of actually just getting the hang of the game. I hear it takes about five hours for it to really start sinking in, you know? Um... So, I'm going to put some more time into it here soon, probably over the weekend. It's one of those games that I don't want to play when I only have a couple hours of free time before work because I I feel like a game like this, I'm not if you're going to play something like this, you need to put like a whole session into it. You need to sit down and really tear into that motherfucker for like a good 5 or 6 hours on a weekend, you know, <laughs> um because that's just the kind of game it is. You know, it's not, I have other games for short bursts, you know, like games with mission-based gameplay, like Final Fantasy X-2, or rhythm games where you can just play a couple songs and then be done with it for the day, you know, that kind of shit. Mobile games where I'd play a couple missions and be done with it, you know. Hell, I could even say something like Fortnite, where you just go in and do your daily quests and then be done with it for the day. You know, you got the EXP you needed, boom. Just that kind of stuff, you know. Those are short-burst games that you can play in, like, smaller amounts of time. But Starfield is not a short-burst game. Starfield is a grab-a-bag-of-popcorn-and-sit-down-and-get-ready-for-an-experience kind of game. Um, <clears throat> I just... Is that experience a good one or bad one? I don't know yet, because I haven't played enough of it to really tell. So far, I'm on the fence with it. So far, I would give it... You know what? I'm not even going to give it a number rating. I would just say I'm in the realm of... Um, I like it, but I don't love it. I guess would be the best way to put it so far. It's it's good. It's not bad, um, but it's not. It's also not like, you know. To be honest, the only Bethesda game I ever really liked was Skyrim. I was never big on the Fallout games. I much preferred the Outer Worlds, um, which is an Obsidian game. So, but it's designed like Fallout meets Mass Effect. Uh, But this, I am enjoying it. I don't know if I just like the setting more or what, or if it has, but there is a sort of Mass Effect feel to it, maybe because it's in space, maybe because the first main story planet you visit feels like the Citadel from Mass Effect, but there is something about it that's drawing me in a little bit more than Fallout did. I don't know. Fallout's just really bleak and boring to me, but um, I liked Skyrim. So, and I am enjoying this so far, not as much as Skyrim, but I am enjoying it. So, I'll save my full thoughts for after I've played enough of it to have full thoughts. Um, I will say, though, it's procedurally generated to a point. There are story planets that will be there for everybody, but there are also random planets on the side that may or may not have life on them that for everybody are completely random. Sometimes they'll be completely empty planets with nothing on them. Sometimes they may have like a nomad family that settled there, you know, something like that. But those types of planets will be different for every person who plays. But for everybody, the main story planets and the main story missions will always be the same,
1: you know,
0: based on the choices you make and shit too, though. So, moving along, next thing I want to talk about is Season 4 of Solar Opposites. Now, if uh, you are a fan of Rick and Morty, you'll like the show Solar Opposites. It's a very similar style of humor. And, in fact, for the first three seasons, one of the main characters, Corvo, actually sounds kind of like Rick. Um, But anyways, um, (laughs) there's something different about Season 4, and we'll get to that in a minute. But... um, overall the show is pretty funny pretty enjoyable i like it um even though it is a very similar style of humor to rick and morty it's not exactly the same it gets a little more it's exclusive to hulu um so since it's not on network television it has a little more oomph to it at times Uh, but it's basically about these aliens, they're called Schlorpians, and they are plant-based aliens, so they're not, they're not made of, like, organs like us, they're, they're plants, they're literally plants. And, um, they crash land on Earth in an attempt to terraform it, but they kind of get comfortable living lives among the humans, so they just kind of stay there. But there's the two main Schlorpians, Corvo and Terry, they're a couple, and they're two kids, um... Um, Jesse and Yumulak are their names Um, yeah I like how two of them have normal names like Terry and Jesse and the other ones have alien names like Corvo and Yumulak and then they have their little pupa which is supposed to grow big and terraform the earth and you know of course basically since they can't keep up with their mission they keep getting into shenanigans every episode it's pretty funny but one of the continuing things going on with the show is a little side story called the story in the wall because there have been times where jesse and yumulak because they're aliens they have access to special you know advanced technology so they use anybody who pisses them off they shrink them down with a shrink ring and put them inside this like basically giant ant farm type deal in the in their bedroom wall and so there's, like, a whole community of people in that wall who used to live normal lives. But now they're trying to survive inside the wall. And since they're tiny, they everything that's big is, like, a threat to them. So if there's a spider, that's, like, a death sentence, you know. So, and then it leads to there being, like, you know, people divided into factions and wars. There's, like, a whole like post-apocalyptic side story taking place in this mini universe inside these aliens bedroom wall and it's it's basically another part of the show and I love it I love when they do that some episodes focus entirely on the wall as a story is happening with the solar opposites in the background and you like see glimpses of it but the show doesn't focus on them at all it focuses on the wall during those times and it's actually pretty good. It's actually, like, a very involved narrative. And it gets violent, and it gets, like, there's betrayal. And it's very Game of Thronesy. There's, like, a miniature Game of Thrones going on inside these aliens' wall. So it's, like, basically Rick and Morty with Game of Thrones happening inside it. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but, and then there's also, like, a silver surfer type deal later on where a guy that they send to space becomes a silver cop and then he ends up working with some outlaws and stuff it's another cool side story they end up like you know basically having spin-offs within the show itself um but the reason i mentioned season four is because it's really good and because uh the reason Corvo sounded like Rick from Rick and Morty is because he was voiced by Justin Roiland, who was also a co-creator of the show, but Hulu cut ties with him after all the domestic abuse stuff came out, and so they decided um, to replace him. Now, for Rick and Morty, they're finding sound-alikes, you know, they don't want to change that up too much, but for Solar Opposites, they wrote it into the story, like they, they're throwing darts and they stab Corvo in the neck with a dart and he, they like have to fix his voice with a voice ray. But they have it on the wrong setting, so his voice is different. So now his voice is Dan Stevens doing a British accent. And um, and the kids are like, oh, shit, we gave him the wrong voice. We got to change it. And Terry's like, no, 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 don't, don't. He's like, this is working for me. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, so they decide to keep him with the new voice because his husband is into it, you know. So that they write it into the story. That his voice changes, and it's pretty fucking funny, actually. They even, like, break the fourth wall in the opening credits of the episode to explain that his voice is, because of some weird alien technology bullshit, yada yada, that his voice is going to be new in flashbacks as well. (laughs) So, I thought that was kind of funny. But I will say that Dan Stevens is a major improvement over Justin Roiland. The character of Corvo is actually more enjoyable now. Um, I think overall, it's uh, pretty funny. I think he's actually funnier than Justin Roiland was as this character and is an overall improvement to the show, if I'm being honest. So it's not too hard to mimic Justin Roiland's sense of humor. Anyways, you just got to stutter a lot and say funny words like Glorpy Dorp. But... You know, Dan Stevens taking over kind of changes Corvo's whole character. You know, he doesn't talk like that anymore. He talks, you know, with a British accent now and smooth and normal. He still complains and yells a lot because that's his character. But the way it's played up, you know, it kind of comes across more different. And actually, it makes him seem more genuine when he learns a lesson, too. You know, it. I, I, I think it's an improvement. I really do. I think it's the... Um, I think it's a, a a a good shift a good tone change for the show overall you know sometimes you just got to cut toxic people out and that's that goes for like you know movie studios and shit and TV producers and shit too so you know um speaking of uh, the movie and TV stuff and all that I don't have any specifics in front of me right now but last I heard they were hoping, um, they were hoping, uh, to to a, uh, they were hoping to come to a, they were hoping to come to an agreement for the strikes uh, that are happening in Hollywood here soon, but a quick Google search uh, tells me uh, from NBC News 19 hours ago that there's still no end in sight for the Hollywood strikes. So that is, um... That's unfortunate. I heard on another podcast that they were going to have a meeting to try and resolve some of this, but I'm guessing either that meeting hasn't taken place, or it um, did not go the way they wanted it to at the time of reading this right now. So, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. It is worth mentioning, though, I saw on an IGN News video that um, the... The producer, like the head director or whatever behind Deadpool uh, 3 Deadpool three, confirmed that uh, the movie is not canceled. Um, it's just on pause while the strikes are happening and they are hoping to be able to get back to it very, very soon. Um, so in no way, shape or form is the movie uh, been written out of existence. It is still happening. It's just a matter of when at this point, you know, for the uh, for the most part. But anyways, that will do it for the media corner. Now we're going to transition into a very brief topic. I waited so long. SpongeBob. And you broke it. Now, I do have a quick topic I want to touch on very briefly this week, and that topic is the state of gaming in 2023. I just want to take a quick look at the state of gaming and video games and the game companies themselves in 2023. Let's start with the games first. First of all, this has been a fantastic fucking year for video games. I will say that. It has been a great year for games. We've had some major hitters like the Resident Evil 4 remake, Final Fantasy 16, Starfield is out now, um, Diablo 4, Baldur's Gate 3 is absolutely fucking killing it um, that may win Game of the Year this year, officially. So far, my personal Game of the Year is Final Fantasy 16. but it's hard to ignore the success of everything that's come out this year so far. There's been very few disappointments, and we've had some surprise shadow hits, too, like, um, like, shadow drops that end up being hits, like Hi-Fi Rush. Definitely a recommend there, you know, and... So, and yet, and the year's not over yet. We still have Spider Man 2 coming out, Alan Wake 2 coming out, you know, Assassin's Creed Mirage. There is still plenty of room for for major hitters this year. So, uh, we're nowhere near the tip of the iceberg, but I just want to say it's been a great year for games. Um, I, Jedi Survivor is one too, but I will say that there's a couple drawbacks there in the sense that. It's been a great year for games, but, like, some of these great games are also wrapped up in an unfortunate package of being released kind of broken. Like, I'll use, um, one big example is Jedi Survivor. This game, um, is a great game. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a huge improvement over the original in every way, shape, and form. However, the big problem with it is that its performance mode released broken it's fine now if you go to play it now but there's this whole thing about like we're we're getting too lax on that On uh, not like developers are getting away with that a little too much because their publishers are forcing them to push this shit out way too quickly you know um and they're not having the time to really <clears throat> to really fix it the way it should be, like, get it to where it should be before pushing it out, you know, because these publishers are trying to meet deadlines and stuff, and it's insane uh, the amount of crunch developers have to go through and shit sometimes. Uh, Respawn did a great job with the game, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that it's it's up to par now, but when I played it, the performance mode was really broken, unfortunately, it um, and I wasn't even going to try to play it on quality mode because I couldn't handle how... You know, like the frames dropped in performance mode as it was, so it quality mode made it worse, just way worse. Um, in that department, Forspoken has the same problem. I actually enjoy Forspoken, um, a lot of people didn't, they you know, they're kind of on the fence about it. I, I think it's an enjoyable game with an enjoyable story and fun gameplay. I like the whole magic parkour thing as well. Um, but when I, when I first played it, earlier this year, it had a lot of visual issues, you know there was like a layer of fog over everything, um, the, the the sacrifices that they had to make to the visuals in order for the frame rate to be maintained in certain things was bad you know, stuff like that um it just didn't, it just didn't work uh, very well on um, it like, it's I played it on performance mode because, you know, quality mode, the frame rate was too jaggy for me, but, like, the sacrifice that it made to the visuals was almost unacceptable at times. That has been fixed now as well. They've updated that game, um, and, like, they got rid of the fog, they, you know, upgraded the visuals, they have a more stable frame rate, so Forspoken is also now improved. Um, Final Fantasy Sixteen, my personal game of the year so far, is another example of a game that released uh where the performance mode sacrifices way too much this is one of the few games i would actually recommend playing on quality mode simply because it maintains a steady 30 fps which isn't great but if you turn the motion blur if you adjust the motion blur to your taste you can make it more tolerable, which I did. But the you want this game to be in 4K if you have a 4K TV because of the huge icon battles. They're like huge magic kaiju fights. And you want that for this game, right? <clears throat> but the other side of that is that performance mode you think would be better for combat, you know, higher frame rates. Well, here's the thing. In some of those... the only time performance mode maintains a stable 60 frames is during combat, and in order to do that, it drops the resolution down to 720p, which is just unacceptable for a game released today on modern hardware. So, um, even though that is so far my personal game of the year, that is the one caveat I have with it. That's the one thing keeping it from being a 10 out of 10, because it's a 9 otherwise, um, for me anyways. So, You know, although we've gotten a lot of objectively great games this year, a lot of them have also released in very broken and unstable states that we have to deal with. I hear, I haven't played it myself, but I hear Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has a few graphical issues as well, and might be a sign that it's time for the Nintendo Switch to get an upgrade. <laughs> Um, which I'm down for. So that actually leads me to my next part. Let's talk about the states of the consoles and the everything themselves. So the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S are basically about halfway through their lifespan at this point, I would say. Um, maybe a little less. Uh, but, you know, we give them about six or seven years per console. The Switch has been around since the Wii U. So it's been, um, you know, a little after that, but it's been... You know the switch has been around since the PS4 and Xbox One came out, so it. I do think it's time for Nintendo to upgrade. They're still killing it with their hits. They're still killing it with their exclusives. People love Nintendo. You know, it just it is what it is. You know, you got some edge lords on the internet that pretend not to like Nintendo. They're like Nintendo is a bunch of kids' games. I know. I forgot how to have fun. Yeah, I had a lobotomy back in '62, and they took the part of my brain out that knows how to enjoy things you know that's but the those those fuckers are just miserable cave dwelling trolls that don't have any friends and take it out on other people um no nintendo is great because their hits are always hits you know they know what works they know what their fans want and they do it every time they don't care about like graphics and you know 4k and achievements and all that shit they're just here to pump out you know the same mascot characters over and over again with different games because they're always good you know they never get old because they're almost always hits you know i i, I could out of all the zelda games in existence i could name off the top of my head maybe two that aren't great <laughs> you know out of all the mario games in existence i could name maybe 3 or 4 that i didn't care for but the rest of them are absolutely solid You know, and it seems like they just get better, too. Super Mario Odyssey was considered an absolute blast. I loved um, Kirby in the Forgotten Realm, which is basically Super Kirby Odyssey. You know, uh, stuff like that. You know, people are losing their shit over the next Metroid Prime whenever it finally comes. Um, You know, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom have been hits, from what I hear. Um, My favorite Zelda is still Twilight Princess. I'm an odd one, but, like, you know... They know what their fans want. Um, Mario, the the best version of Mario Kart you can play right now is the one on the Nintendo Switch. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm just saying. So, um, rumor has it, though, that behind closed doors at Gamescom, Nintendo was discussing with investors and stuff a a new console that might be coming out. Um, And if... If the rumors are true, do not take this as fact because it's not fact, it is only rumor, and I am telling you that now so that you don't be like, "Hey, Oversoul said no, I didn't. This is a rumor." But if it is true, uh the the Switch 2 or whatever, it would be graphically on par with the PS4 Pro, so I guess we're talking um 1080p or 1440p with 4K checkerboard upscaling. <clears throat> Would be that um, it would have a camera and it would be backwards compatible, I'm assuming, with the regular Switch games, which makes sense. If there's one thing Nintendo has always maintained, it's backwards compatibility to an extent. Obviously, you can't play like a Game Boy Color game on your Nintendo Switch. You can, but not by putting the cartridge in. You can by paying for Nintendo online and downloading the Virtual Console app. Then you can stream your Game Boy Color games through the internet, through the cloud, which, you know... Um, I think Nintendo's doing great, but they uh, they need to make a new console. I think it's time for a new console. That's my stance on Nintendo right now. They are doing pretty goddamn good, you know, but uh, time for a new system. But speaking of Nintendo Switch Online and Virtual Console, I shift over to PlayStation, because obviously we have PlayStation Plus. If you have the, um, the top package, Premium, you can stream or download, uh, classic PS1 and PSP games that have been, like, remastered and spit-shined a bit for the system, and they have the same virtual console features as the Nintendo Switch, where you can, like, put a save state at any point, and you can, like, rewind the game if you fuck up, um, so, which made the, the PSP pinball games way easier, I can tell you that much, (laughs) um... No, but seriously, uh, and they added trophies to them too, and platinums to some of them as well. I know I got the platinum in the PS One version of Twisted Metal Two. That's fucking nuts. Get so that that does make it kind of worth it for trophy hunters like me. Um, but the funny thing is, if you already own the PS One Classics version of these games on the PS Three, or you own the digital PSP versions of these games on the PSP um, or Vita, then you are entitled to them for free. On the PS5, premium member or not, you basically get a free upgrade to the PS5 versions of them that include trophies and all the virtual console features, which is kind of cool, which is kind of nice. But what's not cool is that if you pay for a year of PlayStation Plus at once, you're going to be paying more. What's funny is that it's only the year and I think three month packages that have been affected. If you're paying the monthly price for PlayStation Plus, it hasn't been affected at all. So that's still the same Um, but it is unfortunate that they're raising it. I will say this, PlayStation has been killing it with their exclusives for a while, at least on the PS4 they were, and they were doing good with some on the PS5 too. We had Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which was fucking phenomenal, and I hear good things about Returnal, um, and there's a a couple others as well, I think, but, oh, and Final Fantasy 16 is a PS5 exclusive right now, and it's doing great, but here's the thing. They gotten to that point again where they're starting to get kind of cocky and they're starting to make bad decisions, like raising the price of PS Plus. And here's the other thing, too. If PlayStation Plus is meant to be a competitor to Xbox Game Pass, then what they need to do is they need to put new games out on it right away. They did that with Stray and Chia and Humanity, and those were all good choices. You know, it's nice to see those indie games getting love, and they're all great games that deserve the attention. Stray was even a Game of the Year contender the year it came out. <clears throat> but the problem is, one, they're not up there long enough. Stray is already no longer available on PlayStation Plus. You have to buy it now, and but two, over on Game Pass, they're dropping big ass games like Starfield, Atomic Heart, Psychonauts 2, um, Plague Tale: Requiem, uh, Hellblade 2 when it comes out. You know they need to be doing the same thing over on PlayStation. But Jim Ryan who I cannot stand, is all like, nah, we're not going to do that because it'll degrade the quality of the games. Meanwhile, he's playing it safe with his exclusives by making sure that every single PlayStation exclusive at this point is either a sequel or another... Every PlayStation game is The Last of Us now. Every main character is like uh, a bow and arrow wielding child or something. You know, it's... um, It's... Basically, they found a niche and they decided to stick with it. And I would like to see them get a little more creative. You know, give me more Concrete Genie. Give me more Killzone Shadowfall. You know, give me more stuff like that again. um, At this point, like, all their AAA big title games are kind of the same. Or they're doing remakes like, like... yeah, sure, the remake of The Last of Us Part 1, it could be argued that maybe it was necessary to make it more like the second game, and, you know, they were cashing in on the TV show and all that, but who asked for a remake of Horizon Zero Dawn? It still holds up, even if you play if you play the PS4 game on the PS5, it's got, like, a PS5 patch where it, like, has higher frame rate and looks better and shit, you know, same for The Last of Us Part 2. We don't need a PS5 version of that either cuz it already looks and runs better on the PS5 anyways. The PS4 is not so old at this point that every game on it needs to be remade. I don't know why they're doing that. We need more more creativity. When the PS4 came out, they were pumping out these hits, you know, they they struck gold with Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, all that shit, Death Stranding, but now now they're kind of like um I don't know, they're they're milking these franchises too much, I guess you could say. I mean, their exclusives are still great. Do not get me wrong. I'm excited for Spider-Man 2, for sure. You know, it looks phenomenal. Um, Miles Morales was also great, but, like, it it feels like PlayStation's starting to do that thing where they're getting too big for their britches again and they're going to pay for it soon. You know, it happened before, it'll happen again. It's like a cycle. They do it. They do this on repeat, over and over again. I will say though, I'm not putting the blame on PlayStation themselves. it's Still my favorite system. Still my favorite exclusives. The problem is their incompetent CEO, Jim Ryan. That man is. I tell you what. He's no Sean Layden. Sean Layden was great. Jim Ryan, not so much. I can't stand him. He makes terrible choices. He's a stupid man. Um. <clears throat> I mean, I guess he's not stupid if he's a business CEO. I shouldn't say that. That's mean. Um, but, you know what? He just... He doesn't know what the fans want. He's looking at everything from a business perspective. Sean Layden was more about giving the fans what they wanted. This man's more about giving investors what they want. And I can't stand that. I can't stand these business-first people. Think of your consumers, you know? Um, Love me some PlayStation, but I cannot stand their new, their new leader. He's just... He's so out of touch. He's out of touch. He doesn't know what we actually want, you know. Um, But anyways, um, so that's the stance on PlayStation right now. And Xbox, I think they're doing better. Um, Starfield has been a good hit for them. They had a mess earlier this year with Redfall. Redfall came out, and it was an absolute disaster. Um, People weren't too happy with it. Xbox has been kind of a roller coaster. I have the Series S. It's a Game Pass machine. Uh, at this point, I have it almost exclusively for Game Pass games like Starfield. Um, that's what I got it for. I didn't want to invest in the Series X if I wasn't going to use it that seriously. I have used it to record a few Let's Plays and stuff. And that's that's a problem I do want to talk about briefly. And I know this is not exclusive to me because I've done research and I've seen people on Reddit and other forum, Microsoft forums complain about this as well. Something about the Xbox Series S, and sometimes even the X... Um. It ruins flash drives. And what I mean by this is if you have a flash drive that is 3.0 speed or higher and um, you format it as NTFS, you plug it into the computer and format it as NTFS and plug it into one of the three um, USB slots on the Xbox, preferably the ones in the back because they're the SS slots for higher speeds, the Xbox will read it as a device that you can record gameplay to. You can record up to an hour of footage of gameplay directly from the Xbox if you have a flash drive plugged in that is 3.0 or higher and formatted as NTFS. And it works great for a while, but after a while, it stops working so great. You know, you'll be in the middle of a recording, the recording will glitch out or something, and suddenly that flash drive won't work won't, uh, work with the Xbox anymore. One thing I noticed is that um, after you record something on the Xbox to the flash drive, you plug the flash drive into the computer, the computer will tell you there's something wrong with the drive and it needs to be scanned. And the scan will tell you that the drive is fine. There's no problem, right? So, um, So the theory is that... Recording footage to the flash drive directly from the Xbox actually corrupts the file system on the flash drive, like beyond repair. And it makes it so that it's really only compatible with the Xbox at that point. Um, I mean, you got to take it out and put it on the computer to get the files off of it. So every time you do that, you risk it not working again when you plug it back into the Xbox. Sometimes you have to plug it in once or twice. And I know it's not just me, and I know... It seems that not only is the flash drive itself affected, but also the USB ports for the Xbox. Now, here's the thing. If I plug in a USB device for, like, charging into one of those ports, like if I plug in a phone or I plug in, uh, like, a... rechargeable battery charger into one of those usb ports any of them it works fine absolutely fine but the moment i plug in a 3.0 or higher flash drive suddenly the xbox acts like it doesn't want to read it it sees it for a minute it'll briefly flash on but then it'll flash off again like it sees it and then disc and then it disconnected it immediately it's like you pulled it out back like put it in and pulled it back out even though it's still sticking in there and um that unfortunately uh I think means that every time it's recording to the flash drive, and I think it could also be an overheating thing because these flash drives are really warm when I pull them out of the Xbox after a long recording session, and the Xbox itself gets kind of warm, you know, because it's only the Series S. And some of these games, I think, are more powerful than it can handle. So I think part of what's happening here is that, like, you're recording a game that's already the game itself is already pushing the xbox to its limits and then on top of it you're running uh you're recording that game footage at like 60 fps 1080p to a flash drive that's running at 3.0 speeds on this little you know chug along you know uh discount uh poor man's xbox you know the the Series S is basically, you know, it's only 300 bucks. It, it's it's like half the hardware of the Series X, right? Between the PS5 Series X and the Series S, the Series S is the least powerful of the three. And um, so I think it's actually overheating and it's actually like fritzing some of the hardware um, inside of it when you record footage to a flash drive like that. But I've heard people have this problem with the series X as well. Not as frequent. Most of the research I've done seems to show that the series S is the main culprit of flash drive corruption. I've gone through four fucking flash drives, recording footage, off the xbox series s um you know hopefully this next one will be the last but it seems like the lifespan for each flash drive every time i get a new one is about six months before it starts fritzing out and i have to replace it here's the funny thing these flash drives they work fine on everything else but the moment i plug them into any xbox not just the series s but also the original xbox one that i have the moment i plug them into either of those they suddenly don't work so it's exclusively an issue with the Xbox, and I still don't know exactly how to get to the bottom of it. But it's very confusing, um, and extremely frustrating, and a huge waste of money that I have to keep buying these flash drives, even though they're like twenty bucks on Amazon. <laughs> um, you know, it, it might be too that they're SanDisk flash drives because I got to be honest, I've had problems with my SanDisk flash drives working with my old um, my old recorder that I used to use to record gameplay footage. Um, and you know, some of you who've been around for a while may remember that it was, uh, some of that footage would glitch out sometimes, you know. And I would some I would have to edit around it in editing because like my if I hit those glitches when I was editing videos the entire editing software would crash it was nuts I don't deal with that anymore because now I record footage directly from the systems themselves but as you can see I'm dealing with other problems there's a downside to all of it I just need a better computer and a actual capture card and I won't have these problems anymore but all these workarounds have downsides so with the the down the thing with the Xbox recording directly to a flash drive means I can record any scene from any game they don't have blocked footage which is nice Um, but then of course there's the downside of it eventually stops working or sometimes the footage comes out corrupted you know unfortunately and um, but with the case of the ps5 on there i can record up to an hour of footage in 4k even directly onto the system itself or i can record you know several hours of 1080p footage and then splice it all together in editing software on the computer i don't have editing software that can edit in 4k like that um you know i can output footage 1080p footage i can upscale it to 4k in editing but i can't you know take an already 4k webm file and i don't have any editing software that can read that it only reads the 1080p stuff The PS5 uses a very weird, very special video format for its 4K footage. So, but anyways, I can record footage directly off the PS5, you know, no problem. Sometimes I will run into problems where there's a blocked scene, like in a Final Fantasy game or something, but it's easy to work around that by just finding that scene on YouTube uploaded by someone else who used an actual capture card, download it, and import it into the share factory app on the ps5 which i can then use to splice it into the footage i recorded directly and then output like export the whole thing at 4k and upload it directly to youtube from the system itself it's very very simple um You know, not as many problems there, but there are still downsides. On the PS5, you got potentially blocked scenes. On the Xbox, you got potentially corrupted flash drives. There's just no fucking winning. And with the Switch, I can't record more than 30 seconds at a time to that directly. There's no workaround for that. So I have to use my old capture device and just pray that it doesn't freak out, you know? So, yeah. It's the sad life of a YouTuber. But anyways, back to Xbox themselves. Um basic thing with them is that uh i think they're doing better you know obviously when the xbox one came out they kind of crashed for a while because of all the terrible choices that they made and we're gonna make but eventually they brought it back around they um they brought it back around and phil spencer has been the best thing to ever happen to xbox i think what they're doing right now though is their thing is that they are basically like out of maybe out of desperation more than anything they're snatching up as many developers as they possibly can they're like we're gonna buy you and we're gonna buy you and we're gonna buy you and they're just throwing all of these games on game pass you know, all these big name games, like I said, you know, it's a great thing for us, the consumer, but there might be a downside to it to them as a company, which is to say that it's a huge loss of money for them in the long run, because they could be making a lot of profit if they actually sold these games, But putting them on Game Pass for people who already have the subscription, having not to pay extra for the game themselves. that um, That is a huge chunk of revenue loss for them. But... I don't think they're worried about that at the moment. I think they're more concerned about having a library of games worth talking about, like PlayStation does. You know, they want to catch up to PlayStation in terms of exclusives. So that's why they have shit like Starfield um, right now. Um, they want they're trying to at any rate. And they're going to worry about the financial consequences later, you know, down the road. They'll be like, all right, we'll just we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, you know, throw throw some more money at it if we have to. I don't care. You know, right now it's more about getting these games in the hands of gamers. And I like that they are taking that approach because it's better for us as a consumer. I am, like I said, though, just worried about what it means for them as a company. Uh, down the road, if that's, if that's gonna be a continuing trend or if the quality of Game Pass is going to decrease. Cause we've already noticed Game Pass price increased already. They got rid of, um, how they do Xbox Game Pass or like, how they do Xbox Live Gold, there is no more Xbox Gold by itself. If you want Gold to play online multiplayer, you have to have Game Pass Ultimate now. It's part of it. And Game Pass Ultimate includes Game Pass on the PC. So if you don't play Game Pass on the PC, and you don't do online multiplayer very much, there is another option for you, which is Game Pass Console. For $10 a month, you can get Game Pass on just the Xbox itself. But if you want Game Pass... On the Xbox and PC, and if you want Game Pass, or and if you want Xbox Live Gold for online multiplayer, then you have to have Game Pass Ultimate, which is encroaching on about twenty bucks a month at this point. You know, it was like fifteen, and it's just it's getting up there now. Everything's going up. Disney Plus just went up. It's crazy. This it inflation's hitting the the damn streaming services. I'm hoping though, in some of those cases, it'll be so that they can actually pay their writers more you know like they deserve maybe that would help but anyways yeah um so that's the state of gaming in 2023 this is where we are we're getting great games that are released broken um nintendo is doing great but needs a new console playstation is doing great but they're getting really fucking cocky and they need to calm down um, and they need to be more creative with their exclusives, I think. Time to, you know, put less sequels and more original ideas, please. And Xbox is doing good, but they um, they may be digging themselves an early hole if they don't slow down a little bit. You know, it's just got to be careful. But um, anyways... That's all I have for this episode of The Overcast. Yes, a short and sweet one because I have no co-hosts, so no lengthy discussions, no back and forth, just me yammering on. Hopefully you weren't bored to tears by it. Hopefully you still enjoyed it. Hopefully the lack of a co-host didn't affect the quality in any way, shape, or form. But it is more fun to listen to people banter back and forth in these things. It's one of the main reasons I listen to podcasts, honestly. So, anyways, I understand... Um, but I promise you he'll be back for the next episode, I, 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 do not plan on doing many of these without him, um, you know, it's just, he needed a break, and I needed to get an episode out, so it just kind of worked that way time-wise, you know, with everything that happened lately with the move and all that, it's just, yeah, it is what it is, but anyways, um... He'll be back, I'm hoping, in the next episode, but like I said, that'll be it for this one. I have been your host, Justin, aka Oversoul, and you can find me on the website, formerly known as Twitter, at Oversoul53, and of course on YouTube as Oversoul Gaming. I'm also on Twitch and Instagram and other places, but I don't use them, so what's the point? Anyways, though, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Good night, everybody!